Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I think the phenomenon of the CDC becoming a meme and their confusing guidance becoming a meme on Twitter just highlights and shows the degree to which the CDC is facing a bit of a messaging problem. Did you have any uh, favorite memes during the week that everyone was trolling the CDC? <laughs> you know, I saw them randomly pop up on on Twitter. Let's talk about uh, quarantine isolation. There are a lot of memes out there making fun of the CDC. I don't know if you've seen some of the memes going out there. It's making me laugh. The CDC says just wear a cute pair of jeans and a top. The CDC says, go ahead and get bangs. The CDC says, you can dance if you want to. The CDC just announced it's dating Pete Davidson. The CDC says it's now okay for healthcare workers to stick forks into electrical outlets. CDC now says the five-second rule is now down to two seconds, which was my, my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite of them all. The CDC says, go out there and start licking people. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, healthcare reporter Aaron Benko on the status of Omicron after the holidays and the CDC's evolving guidance. It's all come to a head. I mean, the CDC has struggled with messaging you know, forever um, in the COVID-19 pandemic. But over the past few months in particular, I think gotten worse. I do think there is a lot of, you know, external and internal frustration uh, with the CDC right now. And it'll be really interesting to see how Dr. Walensky tries to continue to transform the agency in 2022. Mm -hmm. So when the guidance was updated on December 29th, we saw public health officials, top Biden health officials, including um, Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Rochelle Walensky, going on talk shows and basically explaining why they made the decision not to include uh, a clear testing recommendation in that initial guidance. And what they said was sort of a combination of things, but they sort of broadly said that the signs showed that individuals uh, were less infectious um, the longer that they had uh, the virus. So after mm-hmm. the five day period, the, the, uh, level of viral load that an individual would have if they had COVID-19, uh, was significantly diminished post that time period. Um, mm-hmm. but then they also said that there were other societal and economic factors that were considered in making this decision. Um, I think the administration, broadly speaking, is trying to limit the impact on society during this Omicron surge. That includes getting people back to work, making um, it more possible for individuals who contract Omicron to return back to normal everyday life. I think the administration is really trying to walk this tightrope between, you know, safeguarding the country, but also keeping the country on a forward moving path. And I don't think they've really mm-hmm. figured out how they want to go about doing that. Honestly, you know, from the officials we've spoken to, it seems that officials are really trying to just get through the next few weeks and that they hope this massive uptick in Omicron cases and hospitalizations will decline rapidly, as we've seen happen in parts of southern Africa. So after days of criticism about those new isolation and quarantine guidelines, um, you have a story out about how the CDC has issued a clarification that basically is just amounts to a doubling down of the original policy. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what happened on Tuesday is that the CDC basically updated the language in that 
December 29th isolation and quarantine guidance. They didn't have a press conference. They didn't put out a press release, but they did just <laughs> update the webpage, which is a little confusing for your everyday American. But what they did was they, they also included a document that was basically a scientific rationale to why they made the decision not to include, you know, strict recommendations on testing to exit isolation and quarantine. Mm -hmm. And so basically what they said was, look, the science tells us that for people who are in isolation, which is different than quarantine, right? So people who have tested positive for COVID-19 and are isolating are safe to return back to normal life as long as they wear a mask all the time for the next five days, that they don't need Mm. a negative test to return back to that normalcy. The CDC said, however, if you are in quarantine, which means you had a friend, for example, who had tested positive for COVID-19 and you had met with that friend for dinner. So you had been exposed to COVID-19 and you had decided to go into quarantine, that the individuals who had decided to go into quarantine could return back to normal life um, again after five days as long as they're wearing a mask. But if they develop symptoms and they tested positive for COVID-19 that they needed to isolate then for the 10-day the period uh, the, until that 10-day marker. And the CDC, you know, included basically an FAQ section that went through all the different questions Americans might have about why this isolation and quarantine guidance looks the way it does. And it did include a section on on the testing question. And there mm-hmm. there was some language in there that suggested that tests might not be available for every American who is in isolation or quarantine that that wants right. to get a test, basically saying tests are very hard to That's find at this point. Right so they said, you know, while we're not recommending that you have to get a negative test to exit your isolation and quarantine, that those who want them should go and try to find them. And then if they test positive to continue isolating or quarantining. But it did sort of hint at this larger problem that we keep hearing about that the U.S. just really doesn't have enough testing supply at this point to um, keep up with demand. Definitely not. Is there any daylight between the CDC and the White House on this, or are they very aligned? The CDC and the White House publicly seem to be very aligned about the guidance. But I will say, you know, from some of the officials we've spoken to, the White House has sort of put this onto the CDC to handle. I don't think some officials uh, in the top echelons of the administration were very happy with the rollout of the guidance. This has been a criticism yeah. we've heard of the CDC time and time again, right, that the guidance that they roll out is often you know, muddied, very difficult for your average American to understand. Um, and, and so I think, again, with this new isolation quarantine guidance, it's like, you know, you read it and it took me an hour to understand what was going on Same. with it. And I think, you know, if you think about your average everyday American, perhaps um, a mother or father who has four kids, who's running around, you know, they don't have the time to sit down necessarily and read, you know, a seven page document. Uh, that's a scientific rationale for the <laughs> reasons why the CDC made their decisions. Um, and I think that was some of the frustration inside the administration, both with the December 29th um, guidance that came out and then Tuesday's guidance that it's just very hard to digest and to understand. And so I think these conversations have been, you know, happening over the past year when the CDC has made decisions about its public health guidelines. Uh, But I think there Mm -hmm. there is some tension uh, about its rollout, not necessarily about what the science says. 
Yeah, I mean, especially as there's so much like COVID fatigue right now, a very clear and direct message seems really important. And that's not something we're necessarily seeing. Yeah, and I think the testing issue is one we're going to have to watch in the, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, right now, the te- like I've I've said previously, and I've written previously, the supply issue is probably one of the biggest challenges the administration is facing right now. And while they are and have taken steps to t- address the issue, it's not enough to fill that gap, right? And so. The big question on everyone's mind is, what are we going to do if another variant emerges or another surge emerges and we need even more tests? We definitely don't have enough tests now, but what are we going to do about the future? And I wonder whether or not the administration is just hoping we sort of get through this Omicron surge and we don't need to necessarily, you know, uh, find ways to stop gap the the supply shortage imminently and that they can think about future ways to fix the supply problems down the mm-hmm. road. But I think the testing issue will be a hot subject for the next few weeks. And because of the high transmissibility of Omicron, the CDC has recommended booster shots for everyone who qualifies. But something that you've been reporting on a lot is that because the U.S., Europe and parts of Asia are using more booster doses than other countries, that limits the global ability to vaccinate to 70 percent, which can create a whole new host of problems like new variants, right? Yeah, I think there's definitely concern that the broad, you know, concern among Biden officials, global health advocates, uh, WHO, COVAX, that as, you know, the U.S., European countries and parts of Asia now begin to roll out these broad booster campaigns that the doses that um, were initially earmarked for international donation for 2022, that that supply might begin to dwindle um, and that the booster campaign might eat into that supply. And there's also a question about whether or not we'll need another booster or a fourth shot. I mean, there are all sorts of scenarios in which those earmarked doses could begin to to dwindle, as I said. So I think there's mm-hmm. definitely fear about supply for the first half of 2022. I think in the second half of 2022, we should be well on our way. But we have this big goal for July of 2022, which is to vaccinate 70% of the world's population. And it's not just a supply concern at this point. There's also concerns about how we get shots into arms in low and middle income countries that do not have strong healthcare systems where governments are unsure or don't have the capacity to take the doses off the tarmac and then set up a system to deliver the doses to the people and deliver them equitably. COVAX is working very hard on this. USAID is working very hard on this. But much more needs to be done to build that infrastructure on the ground. And I'm unsure whether or not or even what plans are in place to make sure that that happens by July. There's only a limited amount of time until we reach the summer. Aaron Banco, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, a prayer service at the Capitol Complex will mark the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack. Former President Donald Trump had originally planned to host a news conference at the Mar-a-Lago Resort this evening, but canceled it. And after a 12-hour standoff in the Melbourne airport with Australian officials, Tennis superstar Novak Djokovic was not permitted to enter the country to play in the Australian Open because he is not vaccinated. He was previously granted a medical exemption, but that decision was later reversed. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.